Hi, I'm Yushuan Su. And I'm Connor Campbell. You're listening to Into the Unknown. All right, guys, welcome. I hope you are not sweating too much in this ridiculous UK heat. And if you aren't in the UK, then you're probably used to this heat and you know that British people like to just complain. So bear with me when I say that it's absolutely roasting hot. I think I've However, got heat stroke, bro. Yeah, I'd be slightly concerned. <laughs> but like, powering through. It, if I were you, I would be slightly concerned. But I hope you guys have had a chance to listen to the latest podcast that we brought out with Dr. Elsa Desmond, Ollie, because she's now officially, I think she's got the Ollie. Is that a is that a uh, something that they put at the end of the names as well? I think it's still a thing, yeah. Wow, just for the athletes or all support staff? Are you Connor uh, Campbell Ollie? No, come on, that's not, <laughs> that doesn't make sense. Um, but no, are in my eyes. It oh, that's cute. <laughs> we'll save it for off air, yeah. Um, but no, we are going to be getting into the topic on. Um, Rest and recovery this time. So a conversation that we generally have fairly often between myself and Yushuan and other athletes that I'm coaching is basically different types of rest. Um, and I know Yushuan is going to allude to different types, um, which if you didn't know, there are different types. Um, yeah, well, I think I didn't know that there were different types. You know, obviously there's the obvious ones like physical rest. Yeah. Um, and even there, even with physical rest, there are quite a few different, quite a few branches of it and different mm. ways that you can rest physically that maybe I wasn't, I definitely wasn't aware of and didn't think too much about. But outside of physical rest, you know, there's all different ways in which your body needs rest and your body needs mm. to recover. And so, you know, I've been up and tired <laughs> and you know, I, and I'm sure that a lot of people can can relate to this where you get eight hours of sleep, whatever, it's quality sleep, you wake up early, you know, you have a routine, you're getting consistent amounts of sleep, your diet's good, all of those things are good, and you just wake up tired, just wake up a little bit lethargic, a bit sort of generally exhausted. And that was sort of when I started thinking, right, like, what's going on here? Because i made a big point of um you know getting my sleep unlocked you know connor would know this that we do a lot with making sure our sleep hygiene is as good as it can be and we optimize our our sleep whether that's through uh, the consistency and the quality of it um and but i was like oh, i'm still a bit i'm still a bit tired i don't know why and Anyway, I came across, firstly, I came across uh, one of the episodes of the Nike Trained podcast, which, by the way, if you've not listened to it, we've got no affiliation with it, obviously, but it's a very good podcast. But they had one episode with a sleep specialist called Dr. Sandra Dalton-Smith. And she basically, she's put out a book, which I've then gone and read, called Sacred Rest. And... Mm having read that and having listened to the podcast a lot of what she's saying just made so much sense to me and put rest in a framed it in a way that I've never thought about that it's completely multifaceted and from a lot of different 
angles and resting isn't just physical rest or isn't just mental rest, which is what I kind of naturally thought it was intuitively. And I think what a lot of people do. Um, but so in her book, I'm going to break it down and I'm obviously not going to do a reading here, but if you want to read it, I definitely highly recommend it. It's called Sacred Rest by Dr. Sandra Dalton-Smith. And she basically puts forward a model of rest that says that there are seven different types of rest. And I'll just quickly go through each one. So there's, to start off with, there's the obvious one that's physical rest. And that's basically the chance for the body to, to recover and to restore, um, you know, decrease muscle tension, reduce headaches, you know, promote better sleep. And then there's mental rest, which is sort of the resting and, you know, ability to quiet the background noise and, and the cere cerebral chatter, you know, and, and focus on the things that matter in your head. And yeah. then the third one is interesting. It's she put it down as spiritual rest. And she, so she herself is a Christian um, and there's a spiritual element to that. And it was sort of in the book, the capacity to sort of experience God in all things and recline in the knowledge of the holy. But she also goes to say from, from her, you know, medical doctor background and trade, you know, that isn't just, just for religious people, you know, it's a sort of greater feeling of, of purpose and yeah. feeling like you belong or feeling like you have a purpose or, or you have some kind of intention or, or reason why you're alive. You know, I think that's quite important too. And then the next one is emotional, mm -hmm. which is the freedom to, authentically express feelings and eliminate sort of these people-pleasing behaviors that can be quite draining uh, for your emotion and, and being able to kind of, I guess, regulate your emotion and, and manage your emotions as they come and go. And then the next one is social rest. And I think this one is actually quite important and it's sort of recognizing the different types of relationships that you mm -hmm. have in your life, some that some that tire you out, you know, some that exhaust <laughs> you and how to sort of limit those, those relationships and limit your exposure to those kind of toxic relationships or toxic mm -hmm. people. And then sensory rest, which is the opportunity to sort of switch off, downgrade the endless onslaught of sensory <laughs> input received from, yeah, basically everything around us in the world yeah. we live in, sadly, uh, whether that's through electronics through different smells through loads of background noises especially if you live in the city so on and so forth and then the last one is creative rest which mm. i thought was really interesting and she put it down as the experience of allowing beauty to inspire or and liberate wonder so you it's know I, I read that as kind of basically the feeling of when you stand at the peak of a mountain and you look at the view and and just that natural view and natural beauty just just takes you away yeah that is a restorative feeling in for your for your mind and for your body mm. um so those are what she puts down as the seven types of rest and the idea is basically that you know we have to in order to be rested and not burn out not be overworked blah blah we need to make sure that we are resting in all those seven ways. Yeah. Not just what I suppose what I was guilty of, of 
resting in very specific and narrow ways. You know, I was a bit tired. Oh, I need more sleep. You know, my muscles are a bit achy. I'm not going to do anything. And, and actually, it's really important that <clears throat> this point that she brings up, um, that physical rest isn't just not doing anything. It isn't just cessation. Mm. And it isn't just sleep. It is sleep, partially. That's one part, yeah. And it is cessation. It is not doing anything partially. But it's also physical activities that restore your physical health restore your muscles that sort of thing so whether that be going for a walk stretching and i know personally that when i take a day off obviously i'm quite active you know with my work and my life in general and when i take a day off sometimes i feel good to just not do anything yeah but to be honest most of the times when i take a day off i feel the best when i still do something you mm. know i do something active that i'm and, and consciously recovering and usually that's through stretching i'd stretch for like hours on my day off or go for a little walk um things like that and yeah and but i'm definitely i've definitely been guilty of just narrowing my i guess my knowledge and my approach when it comes to resting and restoring my body and my mind and that could be part of the reason why people feel you know, more and more burnt out and they don't know what to do about it. Um, things like that. And, you know, I, I'm just interested to hear as well what your thoughts of that are, because, you know, we all have different ideas when it comes to how we like to rest and our own habits mm -hmm. and that sort of thing. Whether, yeah, whether your sort of approach falls in line with this or you've got Yeah. <clears throat> I mean, before you brought it up, because we have had this conversation over the last couple of weeks and to be quite honest with you i only really knew that the you know obviously physical is a reduction of maybe training sleeping properly even stuff like massage could be physical i'm guessing maybe even yoga like something that is restorative in nature uh especially to kind of your physical output uh, and I, I, I definitely agree with you that I think that's probably the most common type of rest that people uh, are, are certainly aware of, for sure. Yeah. Like they, they feel and even they say, like, I'm tired. Like most of the time when they say they're tired, they think that they haven't slept enough. And obviously that is the case. But just as you alluded to, you were getting enough sleep, but yet you were still tired. Mm. Yeah. And I think the second thing as well was the mental. You obviously mentioned that the other thing was mental. Like mentally, you can obviously be burnt out as well. If you're working really hard, it's less physical and more like your brain is just on overdrive. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think so. I, I jotted down a few things whilst you were talking and it was more just to kind of get a sense of like what what sort of things do these seven types of rest like what could you do to sort of restore those yeah and yeah. like how how can you figure out if you're like it's pretty easy as you just said to figure out if you're physically tired but how then can you figure out if you're say spiritually tired or emotionally tired or mm. perhaps your sense your sensation your sensory is just on overload where you almost need to deprive yourself of that sense of the sensations of technology or, you know, I don't, it could even be perhaps 
um, like you said, getting outside for a walk yeah, kind of hits yeah. two birds of one stone where you've got that physical restoration as well as that sort of sensory restoration where you're outside, you have new smells, it's a different environment that you're in um, and so on and so forth. The one that kind of in like that, apart from the sensory one, I think spiritually as well, because I'm an atheist, I don't believe in a higher being. Um, and I'm sure that if there are people that are spiritual that listen to this podcast, they might have something to say, but that's my belief. So, you know, it is what it is. We won't go down that road. Um, but I still think that there's a, <laughs> a <bit> sense. <laughs> I still think that there's a sense of, you know, I guess kind of spiritual enlightenment that like you don't necessarily have to be religious to be somewhat spiritual and you do the exact same thing of actually meditation could potentially be spiritual, mm. you know, where you're kind of at peace with yourself. Uh, you're at peace with kind of the world around you. Uh, it's this kind of feeling of like, actually everything will work out, you know, like it's, it's not, you can't plan for everything. Um, I've heard a lot of people who are religious friends, uh, speak about that it's God's plan and they actually yeah. believe that, yeah. that it, that God has a plan for them. And if, if something goes wrong, that's because God didn't want them to do that. And it's the same, you, know, you could even apply it to the same thing that even if you aren't spiritual and something doesn't go well, you could just say, well, maybe it wasn't meant to be, hmm. you know, that's in touch and that's with your, a quite, that's quite a peaceful thought and quite a peaceful yeah. belief to have and sort of even i'd suppose quite a restorative belief to have you know when you feel when you're tired from from maybe working a lot and not getting the results that you wanted or something not going your way the thought and the belief that you know it's not up to me i've done my bit and it wasn't meant to be mm. or that everything happens for a reason yeah um or you know ultimately it's god's plan whatever yeah. all of those different variations of that belief make you feel good make you feel yeah. it sort of brings you down a little bit right it makes you relax a little yeah. bit yeah after... it keeps you grounded and centered yeah absolutely yeah and actually i i still haven't gotten into the meditation thing of you know i i i'm not even going to use time as an excuse because i'm waking up an hour early to to do my journaling now because I want to set that as, as an example of um, I no longer want to use, I don't have time as an excuse because I do have time. I just mm. need to make time. I need to prioritize that. Some people don't have time. Okay, fair enough. I'm sure you, you probably do, but you just don't prioritize it. That's a big difference. But meditation wise, I think like, where would you start? You know, how, so for like the physical, we've obviously spoken about sleeping. We've spoken about maybe go for a walk, maybe getting a massage, even like things like yoga for the mental thing. The thing that I'm thinking is, all right, well, journaling for me is massively mm. mental because I'm downloading my brain and I'm shutting my brain off so that I don't have to think about things tomorrow or things that happened today or things that happened in the past. Yeah. And it's sort of coming to terms with what's happened and obviously spiritual you know, you, I'd say are far more versed in sort of the meditative practices than I am. So if there's someone who, for example, is looking at, okay, I don't know if I'm spiritually burnt out or tired, but maybe meditation will help. What, like, what would you suggest 
in like terms of like a gateway to get into it. Yeah, that's a really good point. And I think the spiritual spirituality side of it is definitely a part of it. But also a lot of these types of rest, are something that people can think. And my, to be honest, my first thought when I listened to it on the on the podcast that I mentioned was like, that's a lot of things. <laughs> you know, you're going to be doing a lot of things to yeah. quote unquote rest yourself. And that seemed a bit counterintuitive. It's quite overwhelming. Um, and yeah, it is very overwhelming. And it's like, fuck, what do I do? But uh, Dr. Sandra Dalton-Smith, basically in the book and on the podcast as well, and she, she's a big advocate of incorporating lifestyle changes, you know, small things mm-hmm. into your everyday life that feed towards those types of rest. Yeah. So to answer your question, in terms of spiritual rest and in terms of specifically meditating, I'd say that there's a lot out there now that's easily accessible Mm. that can get you into meditating, Um, whether that be on YouTube. You know, YouTube is a great source for guided meditations. Spotify, there's apps as well, like Calm and Headspace and those sort of things that do a lot of guided meditations yeah and they sort of and especially for someone who is new to the practice of meditating and need guidance and need you know you need to be taught and you need to practice and then you start to get better at it It, because it is difficult i will admit but there are some as short as say five minutes ten minutes yeah and you might think oh that's nothing but actually when was the last time you sort of took five minutes or 10 minutes in your day to drop everything and just look inwards and Mm. to maybe reflect on things um be aware of what your mind and what your body are telling you for a lot of people that could be that could be never you know they could have never done that so actually five to ten minutes a day is a lot and it adds up to be a lot over (laughs) say a week and a month but also five to ten minutes a day for someone who has never looked inwards and never meditated is is very difficult yeah you know it's a long time and um so yeah that that would be my sort of go-to for people who are looking to to start out and and definitely don't be discouraged like i definitely when i started I was shit at it. Like my mind would just go into overdrive. I'd just be getting distracted all the time by like little sounds. Um, you know, I'd try to be meditating and then I'd hear a bird fly past or a fucking like car drive past or whatever. I get, <laughs> get really distracted and then I'm like, fuck, like I'm not doing this right. But actually I, I think it's, it's really important to get to the point where it doesn't need to be perfect you know you need and it takes a lot of practice and if if you just slowly chip away at it you'll get better at it and you'll start to feel hopefully the sort of benefits of it yeah and how it can help you in your everyday life you know for me it definitely feels like i've been more able to be quicker at taking a step back you know especially in say stressful situations or highly emotional situations taking that step back and be like okay what's actually going on here and see it for what it is Mm. rather than how i'm feeling and what my 
I suppose what my my mind and my, my brain is telling me, which is often quite misleading, you know, the saying you get lost in your thoughts and that sort of thing. Um, I definitely think that meditation has helped that. Mm. Um, how rested do you think you are? Probably not very well rested. <laughs> <laughs> uh, if I if you were to ask me that, say, three months ago, a lot has happened in the last three months with jobs and you know, obviously finding out that we're moving countries, getting married, going on holiday, so on and so forth. And I would say that arguably for me, the two easiest things to control would be physical and mental rest. Yeah. Uh, and I found the biggest difference physically is just being able to get eight hours of sleep more mm. like or more if I can uh, just regularly, like my sleep hygiene has improved so much over the last year because you, you know, I don't, I don't know whether it's FOMO, like, but I would always be the sort of person that went, oh yeah, I only slept six hours last night, and mm. I'd be proud of that. Well, and, and you said the sort of idea that you're able to function on, yeah, not a lot of sleep, and you're strong. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's just really, stu- it's just quite stupid to be honest with you. And then I realised that actually sleeping more than Why eight do you hours. What do think that is? Because I, I, I sort of had the same thing. Um, yeah. But from a more general perspective, I think a lot of people have the same, same thing, same idea, same perspective that yeah. you, it's, a, it's, a, it's a positive thing and it should get rewarded that you're able to, say, work um, effectively with very little sleep. Yeah. You're able to work a lot without being tired, without yeah. being burnt out. Um, See the thing is, is I don't, th- I don't, I don't think. Like for me, I was always tired, and I would, I wouldn't admit that. I would be tired, and then I would say, like, "Oh, I only slept six hours a night, but look, I'm still lifting heavy." <laughs> and it was like, I don't know, it was almost like a source of character comparison that, like, Perfect, oh, you're. Man. It's just, it was you just really eight hours, pussy. It was just really stupid. <laughs> like genuinely, it was, it was quite silly of me to, to use that as a source of comparison. Um, and then when I realized that actually, you know, I, this was after I read a book by Matthew Walker called why do we sleep? I actually realized that there is literally nothing, um, beneficial about a, about deprivation of sleep. Mm. Like it's nothing to brag about. If you have a friend that says to you, I only sleep five hours a night. Good for them. But <laughs> trust That's me. That's not for me. That's not far. No way. Um, and I think like as well, I get regular massages, like I get soft tissue work. I think that for me links into the sensory because yeah, and and That's you know, obviously good. we're sort of <laughs> we're sort of uh <laughs> sorry. <laughs> you had to go there, didn't you? As soon as I said that, I was like You um, can't not come on. Excuse, excuse, excuse you, Schwanz. You know, dirty mind. Everybody, just you know. A lot um, of the we've had a bit of feedback come in saying that Connor's really funny. So I'm just a bit jealous now, and I think I'm overcompensating a bit. <laughs> uh, sorry, continue. I don't even know who said that. Maybe it's just my dad jokes, but um, no, I think like I I suppose you could link a few together. So you know, obviously the physical rest is is only one. Uh, or like sleep um, massage wise obviously I kind of hit a couple I would say that I hit physical I hit sensory because it's a different kind of you know 
I, I'm not on my phone for an hour, so it could mm. be classed as a type of meditation. I'm I think actually... it definitely is a type of meditation because yeah. you're like focused on the feelings that you're getting in your body. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And you're focused on the massage. You know, you're thinking, oh, that you know, to relax each muscle, blah blah. So that for me is is a type of meditation. Yeah, well. yeah, and I think as well, even for me, uh, maybe not so much social, but linking into like the emotional thing because. I always feel absolutely drained after I've had tissue, like soft tissue work, Mm. whether it be acupuncture or massage, cupping, whatever it might be. And obviously, for those that don't know, cupping is just like a form of soft tissue treatment. They stick like a glass cup on you in it, whatever. Mm. Anyway, I'm not an expert, but um, yeah, I just uh, think the scientific explanation of cupping. There you go. They stick a cup on you and it (laughs) sucks the it's it sucks the bad blood out. Is bad blood. Um, <laughs> I have a funny story to tell you off air, but I'm not going to tell you on here. It's... Anyway. Uh, <laughs> and so, yeah, I think those two for me would be the biggest. Uh, journaling has helped a lot, like for mm. sure. Uh, and I think journaling as well is a type of meditation. Maybe not so much in the form of like you're actually thinking about how you how your body feels and like relaxing and not focusing on anything else. But like, you know, the process of me going through making a coffee, lighting a candle, sitting down on my laptop, opening my book, writing out my prompt and going Mm. through that process is somewhat meditative. Um, Yeah. And I found that it's actually, I'm able to process some of the things that are actually burning me out. One of the, one of the prompts that I actually put up was, um something along the lines of like is there someone that's that you want to forgive or like something like that and it was quite a difficult one because we've had conversations in the past and I'm well, I'm kind of going on to emotional rest here that mm. a lot of people don't generally um they find it really difficult to let go of friends yeah and I'm not saying that it's a good or a bad thing but what I'm saying is that I think it's important to notice when a friend is no longer an important part of your life. And I know that that sounds very selfish and I don't mean for it to be like that. But what I mean is that people will come into your life and they will be there for a period of time. They will be a good friend. You will share lots of memories and then they will move on or you will move on. That's natural. They find other friends, they're too busy for you, whatever. Like, and it's diff, it's really hard because you you get emotionally attached to that. Mm. And it's almost really hard to let that go. But it's such a draining, it's such a force of like draining your energy. Absolutely. That it's really important to understand that like letting that go and moving on and coming to terms with the fact that you can't be friends with everybody. Mm. You can try. You know, you could be friendly with everybody. That's a big difference. But being, you know, a good friend to someone takes a lot of energy, a lot of energy, you know, especially if you really want to be a friend to that person. Like, you know, you want to make sure that you're there to kind of support them, that you're sort of, you know, you're there in the shit times as well as the bad, the good times. Um, And actually offering a good sound advice and you're a you know a sounding board 
Um, it's yeah, a me difficult... and your friends knackering, bro. Mate, I'll tell no, me about I'm it. But I've, I've, had, I've had many people tell me that. <laughs> <I've had many laughs> complaints. But no, on a serious <laughs> note, I really resonate with that. And, you know, in the book, it says as well that relationships are either draining to your energy or, or charging. Yeah. You know, and, and like you've kind of alluded to, being a good friend and a reliable friend to someone is, is, quite, is quite draining for yourself. Yeah. Um, and that isn't obviously it's not necessarily a bad thing no you know in many good relationships it takes a lot of a lot of work and it takes a lot of energy and effort I think the main point there is to to recognize yeah what relationships are draining for you and what relationships are are charging you up Mm. and understanding right like this person this relationship it makes me fucking tired to be a part of this and I don't want it yeah or I do want it because for you know for whatever other reasons like you value that person and you value the friendship mm. blah blah and being able to to manage those yeah those I was energy just about to say that inputs and outputs right and manage your relationships and have a balance yeah um absolutely the two um and I think the same people and the same relationships can sometimes be draining and sometimes be charging. That's another thing. Like, I think, mm. you know, at different times, uh, people need different things. Yeah. And at different times, you're able to give different things. Or maybe you, you need at certain times to, to take certain things that people are giving to you. Yeah. And that's when you sort of recognize, like, are these relationships giving you what you need, basically? Mm. Um, yeah. Yeah, we. I mean, we've had. Yeah, we've we've obviously had conversations like this as well. Um, and actually, I want to kind of bring up a point that we made probably quite a few years back, and this was when I was talking about my other half, and I mentioned that I think one of the reasons why I knew that I wanted to continue to be with her and eventually get married to her was that in a lot of relationships that I've been in, I have always wanted reciprocation of an action or of an emotion. So if I show love or if I show whatever it might be, I've always done that because I wanted them to reciprocate that to me. Uh, And, you know, when I met my partner, I didn't need that. And so that's when I knew that actually that's a good, healthy relationship to be in. I'm not saying it's all the time, if I've cooked dinner on Monday, she's cooking dinner on Tuesday, right? <laughs> That's just how it dishes. works. That's how it works. If I cook, she washes the dishes and so on and so forth. No, I'm just joking. I'm not joking. He's um, not joking. I'm not joking. No. But, but uh, I, you know, I, I, yeah, it's, it's, uh, and that's why, that's why you're married. <laughs> yeah. um, but it's but also why it. I have friend, uh, why I'm, why the friends that I have today are still my friends because mm. I don't feel like I need to give them something for them to give me something in return. Yeah. yeah. That's never, you know, the friends that I've had, it's never been like that. You know, it's always give and take. I've never had to be like, Oh, do you remember that time when I gave you this? It's I've, I've not had that with the friends, the friends group that I've had. And, you know, I've I got friends like you who I've known for four or five years, and I've got a friend who I've known for six months. Mm. You know, and like I think 
people always get tied down to this idea that you to be a good friend to someone you it's there's a time condition to it Mm. which is an absolute load of shit no it's not just because someone's known you for longer doesn't mean that they actually know you better than somebody else yeah for sure um but yeah obviously we've touched a lot on kind of the emotional and the social side Mm. um i think it's a really good point that you brought up earlier that all of these things kind of feed off each other yeah and reading the book it really hit hard like why am i feeling tired and i kind of had to take a step back and reflect you know why am i feeling tired now yeah in the middle of the season for example so Um, why are you feeling tired and i'm getting to that man (laughs) and you know i one of the one of the weird things is that this season and and during every season you know last year as well i feel more tired and exhausted during the season than during the off season but more likely than not and more often than not during the season i'm sleeping better i'm sleeping more like i'm more aware of you know the quality and quantity of sleep what i'm yeah. eating you know my recovery what I'm doing in the gym, how I'm stretching, my mobility work, making sure I feel good for the competitions. Whereas in the off season, I kind of let loose a little bit. Yeah. Um, obviously, there is an element of I'm working a bit harder physically during the season. You know, I'm training more, I'm riding more, I'm competing almost every weekend, and that takes it out of you physically. Mm. But that can't be the only thing. Yeah. Right. Sure. You know, I and I, and I. And I think about it and after reading the book and getting more of a perspective of sort of different ways that you can be tired and different ways that you, you need rest. I was like, oh, that's, that makes a lot of sense for me because just things like, you know, competing every weekend uh, and, you know, going to a big competition, you know, there's a lot of emotion involved. Yeah. Whether that's stress, whether that's pressure, whether it's, you know, elation when you do well, um, excitement, and the other side, you know, the disappointment, anger, feeling sad when it doesn't go well, um, frustration, all of those things, whether it's good or bad, they're quite intense emotions. And intense for you to think and for your brain, but also physiologically, it takes a lot out of you. So if I'm kind of going through those emotions in some degree every weekend or every other weekend like of course i'm going to be a bit tired (laughs) you know and you know another another example would be because i'm training more and i'm not free most weekends just things like that you know i I don't have much time i i haven't got the same amount of time as i normally would to to work on certain relationships yeah you know, spend time with my friends and my family and the people who, who mean a lot to me and, and the people who, who charge me um, and yeah. my energy. Um, and that is, that's through no fault of my own necessarily, but just being aware of that and the fact that a lot of, yeah, you know, my, my social side of it and the relationship side of it is, is, not, as, is not as rested during... Mm during like while I'm busy and while I'm competing etc and you know amidst all that 
there is also again when i'm traveling a lot when i'm competing a lot there's being there's a lot thrown in your face you know you're having to process a lot of things you're constantly trying to learn new skills trying to get better that's quite draining mentally that's yeah. quite draining in a in a sensory perspective yeah and you know when it's like this day in day out a lot of people and i feel it myself sometimes sort of lose touch of of the why you know we've spoken about that before but yeah. lose touch of why we're doing what we're doing and what our what our goals are what our what our purpose is and it feels starts to feel mundane starts to feel yeah. like you you bang your head against the wall you know and that and that's another type of tiredness so all of those things contribute to me feeling tired yeah so me getting eight hours nine hours of sleep like isn't gonna fucking solve all of those things you know absolutely not. and another thing is that me going like oh i'm really tired i need i need a holiday mm. you know or, or what <laughs> a lot of people do i need to i need to just take a break um that's not a system i don't think that's a very sustainable way of restoring yourself either because you go away for say a weekend or a week and okay what are you resting physical yeah uh maybe mental mental yeah perhaps sensory but then again if you go away you're probably more likely to be on instagram putting everything to the world so putting it on your insta story you probably still have sensory you know and if you're not aware you're not resting any of those other no other parts such a good point actually and so then you get stuck in this cycle of overworking yourself or or not addressing why you're tired and not addressing yeah. the different types of rest during your day-to-day. Then you're like, fuck it, I need to, I need to rest. I need to take a holiday. You take a holiday and you're still not addressing those things. And more likely than not as well, it takes a while for your mind to sort of switch off and relax. So you're not that relaxed mentally anyway during your holiday. And then you come back a little bit rested, but you go back to the same, the same habits, the same lifestyles um, that's contributing to, to exhaustion, to, to burnout, to you being tired, which then affects your performance, your ability to train, et cetera. And, and it gets into this vicious cycle, you know? Um, so that's something that I've been trying to be more aware of and kind of develop just little patterns and little lifestyle changes in my life day to day that yeah. could feed into feed into being better rested you know for example like things I already do like you know would be would be sleep and and I make it a point to stretch every day do like stretching and mobility work mm. um, for half an hour to an hour a day um, and then with meditating and then just with this new perspective like being more aware of you know what I'm doing to foster different relationships in my life and, and making sure that I'm socially rested and I feel good and making sure that I do take time away, even if it's just a small time each day to step away from everything and just let my senses rest, you know, and, and not think about, not see or hear or smell or think about yeah. horses and training and every, and all of those things, you know? Um, One thing as well that you mentioned, which I think is important to bring up is 
with a lot of us who aren't involved in elite sport, you know, I'm quite lucky that because I pretend like I run my own business, I really, I can take holiday whenever I want. I don't do that because I don't feel like I need to. And also I don't earn enough money to do that. And I actually like working, you know, I like the daily routine of working and balancing different things, things being always different. It's never the same thing, which is great. And yet I've known not just athletes, but coaches who you're a perfect example that I don't think you've had a proper week long holiday since you started this season. And even when you're in pre-season and off-season, the first thing you're thinking is, oh, no, I've got to get ready for this season. You know, and people think, like, we get annual leave. Athletes don't have annual leave. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, they can go away for, like, two or three weeks. But those two or three weeks, if it's not restorative in, in practice, in terms of they're physically, yeah, they're physically recovering, but are they doing all of these other types of rest? when they're away for three weeks and then they have to train for five, six, seven months at a time. It's easy enough for us to say, oh, I'm just going to pop away to Prague for four days because I can do that because my training, it's training. I'm not a a competitive athlete. You know, I don't get paid to do this. So I don't have to re I don't have to then suffer the consequences of saying, well, all right, I'll just miss a day of training. Mm. I'm not getting paid to do this shit. I can do that. Yeah. But yeah. elite athletes can't do that. So I think it's really important that you bring that up, that it's not just about looking forward to a holiday and then getting through the next six months and then another holiday. It's learning how to have these restorative practices in place so that you know how to, essentially take the sand out of the stress bucket and actually actually rest and recover hmm. um you know. yeah and, and actually you know now that you mention it i'm sort of reflecting and thinking back on last year and i had a great season last year you know i was really happy with where where i was and yeah. where my horses were and and the results that we got and then come the end of the season I was like right i'm ready i'm ready for a break and I didn't, I wasn't, unfortunately, I wasn't able to, to go home, um, you know, back to Hong Kong or, or to see my parents and that sort of thing because of, of COVID. But I did a, a few sort of small trips away. And looking back at it now, um, you know, uh, for, for various reasons um, with different relationships and, and just as the situation, I wasn't resting (laughs) it wasn't restorative um well well, you know one of the things is that i'm actually still thinking about about riding and thinking like you know what could i do when i get back to to improve and to develop and and go into next season yeah um so you know my mind was still taking away about that and then uh other things that we won't go into um but Basically, even though my point is, even though I went away and even though I had, say, a good couple of weeks of not doing anything physically or doing things restorative um, to my body, like I wasn't rested. Yeah. So actually, I've, I've got a long time without resting. 
you know properly resting yeah for sure yeah absolutely um yeah i i I completely agree and like some people might even go through years and years without noticing that actually these types of rest are affecting how they feel Mm. you know your perfect example i'm a perfect example like there's so many different pieces that you don't fit together and you think like why do i keep feeling so tired if i'm sleeping an adequate amount of time and that kind of leads you on to the point as well as like you know if you're training really hard perhaps it's not that you're overtraining it's just that you're under recovering you know you're not resting and recovering enough and but the, the difficult thing is you can quantify how much training you have apart from sleep quality and quantity how do you quantify rest mm. apart from heart rate variability so you can see you know what your stress levels are like they obviously have whoop and stuff as well I think they've come a long way in the fitness industry of being able to somewhat quantify what your levels of rest and recovery are and how that impacts your training. Mm. And I've definitely noticed a big shift in especially the last couple of years, especially since 2020, that there's been a huge rise. I think the, um, the statistic that I saw the other day was people are, I think 66% more likely to admit that they're struggling with a certain topic or an issue, say a mental health issue, a mental health problem, uh, to friends and family than they were prior to 2020. Oh, wow. And I agree with you. Like, I, I would have 100% agree with that because if COVID has taught us something, it's that we are social creatures and we require all of these different types of, you know, uh, physical um stimulation mental stimulation Mm. sensory stimulation spiritual if that's all gone as well it's just an overload of one thing Mm. and you're not resting and being slightly more in tune with yourself like let's face it when i was uh in 2020 i was barely doing any training because i didn't have a gym i had a gym downstairs but again like you know, I was training somewhat. I wasn't working, so I didn't have the stress of work. So what was my mind actually doing? Nothing. I wasn't using my mind for anything. So the only th- the only thought that was going through my mind was like, wow, I was actually doing a lot and it started to make you anxious and, yeah. and so on and so forth. And I think that's one of the biggest things that's come out of, of COVID is, well, maybe not one of the biggest things, but a large piece of that has been that people are far more likely to realize when they are tired and actually admit to it. I don't know if you felt that, but that's so interesting. Uh, Like that's actually fascinating that you bring that up because I'm thinking about it. And I, I I agree with you, you know, lockdown, especially the first lockdown is a perfect example. Everyone stopped what they were doing. Yeah. So, you know, we weren't, physically exerting ourselves and like you say you know most people weren't working so the mental side of it was also gone yeah everyone was to a more or lesser degree everyone was doing nothing yeah but why were people so down because everything was just sensory yeah everything was sensory and they were doing nothing yeah which goes to show that one rest isn't just physical and mental yeah. Because, what you know, the lockdown's a perfect example when 
when you're physically and mentally not doing anything, you can still be tired. Absolutely. And two, rest isn't just cessation. Sweet. It isn't just not doing anything. Yeah. Because, you know, it, like you say, you weren't stimulating yourself physically, mentally. And, and I, I believe like, you know, if come first lockdown, you were, I don't know, you picked up a hobby of, um, yeah. uh, you know, cooking or whatever yeah. it is, that anything that stimulated your brain and and you know stimulated the sort of physical side as well you know actions that you're doing repetitively um that sort of thing you would have you would have felt better um, yeah absolutely and, you know, I, I was lucky enough to to not experience first lockdown i just went home and there was no lockdown so i was well rested man but you know to wrap it up we are sports people and you working in the fitness industry and being an snc coach you know, you spend a lot of time thinking about physical rest. And so just to finish off, like, tell us about physical rest. <laughs> you know, what you do, what you think people should do, what you tell your clients to do. Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I would say the two biggest bang for your bucks um, would definitely be sleep for physical rest. And I know that we've already touched on this and we've said, like, if we still feel tired and sleep is not an issue, then obviously looking at other lifestyle factors if you're stressed, if you're not actually able to separate toxic relationships, or if you're on sensory overload, like you're always on your phone and your laptop watching Netflix, you don't ever have any other sensory, um, I guess, engagement, like being outside and smelling the grass. I know that sounds weird, but like, I think the grass smells a bit weird in London though. It does smell a bit weird. <laughs> yeah, it does. But I actually, it's funny that you bring that up because so we every single time that I go out of London, I notice two things happen. One, I think a lot less about mm. things that are going on in my mind. And I don't know whether that's just because you're kind of smelling in the fresh air. It's quiet. There's no cars. There's no one shouting. There's no sirens. So there's less sensation all around me. It's not as hot. It's not dirty and cloudy. You know, it's kind of calming. And I think the second thing as well is that it's so fresh, like the air, you smell it into your nose and there's so many sensations that come in, you know, through your nose that you don't really get in London unless you really go out of your way to, to get that. Mm. And I, so I suffer from a condition called perennial rhinitis. Basically it's like inflamed nasal passages, which is why I always sound like I've got a cold and it's bloody annoying. When I go out of London, it reduces yeah yeah and obviously the dust doesn't help the smog um but yeah i think that's a big part of it is obviously physical rest and um i suppose i guess you could categorize them again into like seven categories i think sleep is ideally the most important thing i mean it's free after all if you've got a bed in a house it's free i mean even if you don't have a bed in the house you can still sleep um slightly more different issues there but obviously you know it's still free it's still free somewhat um and i think nutrition as well like i won't, won't go into it too much but like like everyone everyone nowadays knows at least enough of how to eat well as, oh, i'd be surprised man Really? I don't I disagree. I, just, I think I, we're just in echo chambers with 
yeah sort of the sports You're and right. fitness community and I, yeah you'd be, i think you'd be surprised but go on yeah i mean the way the the way that i look at it is obviously like nutrition is important to like recover and repair mm. uh your cells and your energy so like glucose and glycogen so essentially, like I usually explain that to clients as like fuel for your body. Like imagine you're a car and your food is like petrol or diesel, which is very expensive nowadays. Um, <laughs> Topic you know, but like it's it, it really is. It can be it can be simple if you know where to look, if you know the right person to talk to. Mm. Getting simple nutritional information on, you know, what type of foods you need to eat what sort of quantity you know etc it's it can be i mean it's accessible is probably what yeah, i'm trying yeah, to say yeah. and it goes a long way it, it does go a long way um you know and and i think like other types of recovery so i wrote down like active recovery you know we already spoke about this going out for a walk this feeds into the different types of rest which like athletes yeah. might have going for a walk even like 30 minutes on a bike uh if you have a rowing boat going for a row, I don't know, something like that. Um, quite often I find like walking and cycling is probably the best type of active recovery. Yeah, like just yeah. something to sort of sweat or get outside and listen to a podcast, active recovery. And I, I generally think that that's like, I usually say to clients that that's generally done on like rest days typically because mm. uh, it's essentially supposed to enhance blood flow. Um and like clearance of lactate and like other metabolites. So like if you're training hard, then it's supposed to promote sort of the the body getting rid of those waste products from training. Yeah, yeah. Um, the weird thing is, is that like it's it's quite difficult to figure out whether that actually makes a difference in terms of if you don't do it, do you feel any better or any worse? No one would know mm. unless you try it. But usually with these types of things is I usually say, if it doesn't make it any worse, you might as well just try it. Because yeah, if it sure. makes you better, it's a very, very low cost, low hanging fruit to be able to recover. And I just know from personal experience, you know, like I, when I have a rest day or multiple rest days where I just don't do anything. Yeah. I don't feel as well rested as actually yeah. when I do something like when I do, like you say, a bit of active recovery, do a bit of yoga, a bit of stretching, go for a walk. Yeah. Sort of thing. You know, I, I don't then wake up feeling as stiff, you know, actually that night I would sleep better. Yeah. So on and so forth. Um, so yeah, I, I definitely yeah. think it makes a massive difference. Absolutely. And I think like, actually you bring up a good point that anecdotally, I think recovery is important because individuality for recovery really highlights that it might not work for someone but it would work for other people and i definitely have noticed that if i do types of active recovery um, even if it's like stretching on your off day it reduces the feeling or the sensation of soreness of muscle mm. soreness so actually psychologically and we go back to kind of sensory and mentally they link together with physical yeah, yeah. um I think a really common one of recovery, we've already spoken about this on the podcast, is massage, like soft mm. tissue therapy, sport, sports massages, um, cupping, acupuncture, whatever else there is. Uh, even, you know, uh, foam rolling and massage guns. Like I know that a lot of people hate, like in our industry, especially for S&C coaches, I see so many people bashing massage guns and foam rollers. And I get it. Like I really do. 
And I think the biggest problem that's come in the fitness industry is especially with supplements and with very quick, you know, technology, stuff like whoop, stuff like um, massage. I was trying to think of the brand, but it's probably better that I don't set up stuff like massage guns is that people think that if they're shit at sleeping, shit at eating and they don't get, you know, That'll like fix reg- it. Yeah, but like it doesn't. The the it just doesn't. Yeah. And it never will because it's not your biggest bang for your buck. The three things that are free, maybe food isn't free, but sleep, active recovery, and nutrition. You can't go wrong with those. If you find that you're not getting enough recovery, you need to look at those three things first. Mm. Then you can start to go, right, okay, maybe I should get some more regular soft tissue work because I feel really tight after a hard training cycle. Perfect. And then you're like, actually, uh, getting a masseuse is really fucking expensive. So maybe I'll just invest in a foam roller. It's a cheap man's massage, essentially. Mm. It's doing the same thing. And ultimately, like massage, really, like the perceived benefits is just it, it's psychological. Again, you feel good. It reduces muscle soreness and it increases blood flow. You know, a lot of the research say that it's like breaking down the fascia and whatever. Fair enough. But Again, I'd say if you've hit those three things, massage is not going to hurt. Like, if anything, it's not going to dampen performance, so you might as well include it regularly. Mm. Uh, You've alluded to another one, stretching as well. Like, I would say probably the most widely used form of recovery. And interestingly, there's very little evidence to suggest that it actually helps. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, I'm everyone who knows me... uh, knows okay not everyone knows me but like everyone knows me as you know in uh, this sort of fitness and physical realm of existence yeah. knows that i i like swear by stretching and yeah. i live and die by it but at the same time i'm very aware that there's very little data and research yeah. that that shows that it's actually effective yeah but i know it's effective man like but this is the thing is this is the thing as well is that there's also no evidence to suggest that it's detrimental to performance Mm. so actually if it's not detrimental but you still do it does it really matter if you do it or don't do it if you do it and it makes you feel good keep doing it it doesn't matter well the other thing is it's just it should just be seen as like you say another piece of the puzzle right exactly if i'm sleeping shit eating shit like I can't just stretch for half an hour a day and think that I'm going to be Superman. But at the same time, I think, you know, yeah, finding all those pieces of the puzzle and piecing it together, you know, just because there's no, like you say, just because there's no evidence, hard evidence and research and clinical trials to show that stretching is effective. I'm only like, well, I'm not going to do it then. Yeah, exactly. um, Exactly. I'm only going to do things that have been proven by scientific papers to be effective. Precisely. Uh, It's not a very good way to live. (laughs) <laughs> no, and even if one paper does come out and dispels that myth, does that mean that it was a myth all along? No, probably not. It just means that that's one paper. Well, and if you at... take your evidence on one paper, then I don't know. Maybe you've got a bigger problem, and that you should probably <laughs> you should probably be less trusting of science. <laughs> look at or well, look at look at um, rice would be a perfect example. Yeah, yeah. Of you know things being maybe disproved things are being disagreed on um in the scientific yeah. world but you know rice being 
uh, rest, ice, compress, and elevate as a as a form yeah. of of recovery from injury, as a form of physical rest. Um, you probably know more about it than I do. Yeah. See, rice is a really interesting one because I brought this up with you a couple of days ago. And uh, so for those that don't know, so rice, as you should just alluded to, rest, ice, compression, elevation. I think it was developed in like the 1970s or the 1980s, like quite a while ago. I mean, I know it's been around since I was a kid. So it's been at least 20, you know, 25 years when I was playing sport. And it would be a case of like, oh, you get injured. It's okay. Come off, you know, wrap it in ice, get it compressed, elevate it and, you know, chill. And um, what's really interesting is that like this was got, this had gone on for sort of 20, 30 years. And then a guy called Gary Reinald came in in like 20, 2010. So I don't know the, the exact date, but around sort of like 2010, 2012. And he actually published a paper uh, in the sports journal. Uh, actually, it was a book and it was called Iced. Uh, I don't know the full title, but I know that it was called Iced because I had a physio at uni who showed me the book. This was so it definitely was 2012, 2013, because that was when I was at uni. And they said, oh, yeah, rice, it doesn't mean shit. Like, ignore it. No, and at first, no. and at first, I was like, well, hold on a sec. We've been taught this for like 30, you know, 30 or so years. Like, how could one scientific paper? Mm. Um, and actually, it wasn't one scientific paper. It's a meta-analysis of right, so loads of yeah. different papers. But what's most interesting about this topic is that for most cases, if science disproves a theory, the person that first proved that theory is very, very unlikely to come out and retract their original statement. Mm. And in 2015, when I was graduating, the guy who kind of came up with Rice actually came out and he wrote a revised opinion on no Rice, way. which is why it's so interesting. That is really interesting. And um, what, yeah. Uh, yeah, no, that is really interesting because, like you say, you don't see that very often. And I think, you know, I this is going to be a, a big tangent and it's probably a different topic for a different day. But um, we science is constantly changing. Yeah. And things are constantly getting proven, getting disproven. You know, there are debates, there are disagreements. And, yeah. you know, a perfect example would be when we were kids we were taught the food pyramid in school and now we know it's a load of shit but <laughs> it's not just science like we all start to grow a sort of emotional attachment to these things for some reason yeah and i'm not entirely sure why but and i can bash people who like believe the food pyramid and whatever but you know when you told me rice was a full of shit i was like fuck you yeah fuck you. yeah i yeah. swear by rice <laughs> yeah but yeah no it's very interesting and um this has been such an interesting conversation yeah actually because to look at you know rest and recovery which is something that we think about a lot um whether that's within sports within training and performance to to life in general you know it's been really insightful to get different perspectives and to yeah. sort of look at it from a more broader perspective so i enjoy that a lot yeah yeah it was really it was it was nice to get into you know the different types of rest and i guess uh sort of put it put it on paper because it's not something that we or at least i had ever considered 
that actually there are different quantifiable types of of rest um and and how how you can achieve those mm. it might seem like a lot but like you alluded to a few times you know they are linked yeah um, absolutely yeah so i guess takeaways would be obviously with those different types of rest like what sort of like very quick advice would you advise on like how can based on your experience obviously we're not experts on this mm. but based on your experience like how how do people figure that out like where where would you direct them i guess in terms of resources well first of all would be you know doing your research um, yeah. for me it was reading that book you know listening to podcasts listening to talks and reading papers and things like that um but I think the biggest part and the biggest barrier to making those changes is that it's, it seems so overwhelming to change and uproot so many things in your life that you're so used to doing habitually um, over a long, a period, a long period of time. So for me, I'd say, and what I'm trying to do is to implement sort of small achievable lifestyle changes in the day to day. Um, like I said, meditate for five to 10 minutes, you know, switch off for five to 10 minutes, stretch every day, th- those sorts of things. And obviously sleep and that kind of stuff, just really small things that you can implement that are reliable and, and, and sustainable. And overall, over time, you for, start to form these habits and then all of a sudden you're implementing all of these things and, and you feel good, man. Lovely. Well, take it from you, Sean. Different types of rest. Guys, thank you so much. We thought that we, well, we thought it would make an interesting topic uh, to discuss. So let us know your feedback. Um, We look forward to putting this out there. Um, And yeah, we'll see you on the next episode. Peace. Peace. So, Yushuan, do you want to plug where people can find you? Yeah, so on Instagram, I am at yushon.su.eventing. On Facebook, I am yushonsueventing. And my website is suyushoneventing.com. What about you, Connor? Mine is at Connor Lift Stuff on Instagram and at Stoic Strength Systems on Instagram. And we was also just set up a Patreon under the same name, Stoic Strength Systems. So give those a follow. I will put the links all down in the description if I figure out how to do it. Thank you for listening to this episode. Make sure you like, share and subscribe to the podcast on wherever you listen to your podcasts. And we'll see you next time.